0: Mr. Prime Minister Douglas yeah.
1: Number one,
2: please, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, before I list my engagements, um, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the brave families and friends of the servicemen killed in Afghanistan in the past week. They were Captain Tom Sawyer, Corporal Daniel Winter and Corporal Richard Robinson. They were courageous and committed men, dedicated to their country, to their colleagues and to the cause of peace. We owe them, and all who have lost their lives, our gratitude for their service and sacrifice, and we we will remember them with pride. Mr Speaker, I also know the whole House and the British people would wish to join the Government in sending their best wishes to President Obama at the start of his presidency. I can assure the whole House we will maintain and strengthen our special relationship between our two countries. The importance that President Obama places on urgent action on the economic recovery, on environmental stewardship, and that citizenship carries responsibilities as well as rights will have a resonance in every part of the world. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
1: Why is the Prime Minister whipping his party to vote to keep MPs' expenses secret. When it comes to freedom of information, why should there be
2: one law for the people and another for the politicians? Mr Speaker, I, I think I should tell them the real facts here. Our proposals are for more transparency. They are for more transparency than the Conservative Party proposals were. They are for more transparency than in most parliaments of the world. That's why we will publish a revised Green Book with clear rules. There will be enhanced audit by the National Audit Office. We will put these to the House on a free vote. We had thought we had agreements on the implications of the Freedom of Information Act as part of this wider package. Recently, that uh, support that we believed we had from the main opposition party was withdrawn. So, on on this particular matter... I believe all party support is important, and we will continue to consult on that matter.
0: Linda Walso, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Tuesday, the 27th of January, is Holocaust Memorial Day, and events will be taking place across the country. What will my right honourable friend be doing to mark and commemorate the occasion? And will he join with me in commending the work of the Holocaust Educational Trust, which does so much to educate and inform our young people about the horrors
2: of Holocaust? Mr Speaker, to commemorate Holocaust Memorial Day, there will be a debate in this House uh, next uh, Thursday. Uh, I was uh, very privileged to be part of the original uh, funding of the Holocaust Memorial Trust's work in education, enabling us to send from schools in every part of the country uh, young men and women who could see for themselves at first hand what had happened at Auschwitz and then to report back to their fellow students in their schools and colleges. And I believe that this is an important contribution so that people will never forget the millions of lives lost as a result of anti-Semitism and prejudice and discrimination. David
1: Cowan. Thank you, you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to the three servicemen who have been killed in Afghanistan in the last week, Captain Tom Sawyer, Corporal Danny Winter and Acting Corporal Richard Robinson? our thoughts should be with their families at this time. Can I also agree with the Prime Minister that the whole House will be united in sending our best wishes to President Obama, who starts work with goodwill of people right across the world? Today's rise in unemployment of 78,000 in a single month reminds us of the real effect that the recession is having on families up and down our country. With the pound falling, debt rising and new forecasts showing our recession will be deeper than elsewhere, it is clear that the British economy faces dark days indeed. Does the Prime Minister accept that the market and public reaction to the latest set of government initiatives suggests there is no real confidence that government policies are working?
2: Let me say first of all that every job lost, every redundancy is a matter of uh, regret and sadness uh, for us all. And that is, why, that is why we will do everything in our power to help people who have been made unemployed uh, back into work. We n- may not be able to help people keep their existing job, but we will help people get into a new job. And that is why among the latest measures we've taken are help for people in work, help for people to move into work, and help for people to get the new skills for work. And that is what we should do to help people as we take them through this difficult time. I believe that the indication that President Obama has given in the last few days that he is going to take the fiscal stimulus action that we have taken and he is going to take action in relation to the banks in the way we have done shows that the world can work together to deal with this problem. The one thing that President Obama did not say in his speech yesterday was fellow Americans, let's do nothing. (laughs)
1: I I can tell you one thing President Obama won't be doing, and that is putting up national insurance contributions on people earning £19,000, £20,000, because the country is so bust. Now, let me ask the Prime Minister again about the market reaction to the announcements he made. He announced on Monday a package to help banking. Since then, the Royal Bank of Scotland has lost two-thirds of its value, Lloyd's has lost half its value, and the Pound lost nearly 4% in one day. Isn't one of the problems with the Prime Minister's announcements is there is so little clarity. Let me just take one element of what he announced on Monday to support the banking system. Only the Prime Minister could laugh at these plummeting prices. Can he confirm? Can he confirm? Can he confirm that the Prime Minister has announced the Prime Minister has announced an insurance scheme for toxic assets without saying what he's insuring, what the premiums are, what the exposure is, or how long it will last. Isn't that a staggering lack of
2: detail? Yeah. Mr Speaker, I think I should explain to him, and he has got the benefit now of a new shadow shadow chancellor to help him on his way. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I should explain to him. That when markets fail and banks are unable to do the job for which they're intended, the only agency that can step in is the government. And if the government doesn't take action, no one else will. And that is the lesson that has been learned in every single country of the world. And that is the lesson that President Obama said yesterday is the work that will be pursued in America. Now, as far as the action we've taken on banks themselves uh, are concerned, Every guarantee that we have made is set against the assets of the bank and in the insurance policies we have signed there is a fee. Every loan is to be paid for as a result of the the credit that we have extended. As far as the uh, asset purchase scheme that he talks about, what we actually announced on Monday was a process by which we will talk to the banks in individual detail. We We will look with them at their assets and liabilities. We will, we will therefore conduct the audit that he says is necessary on the bank's finances. We will report back to the House on the nature of the insurance scheme that we will, uh, we, we will agree. Uh, the risks will be shared with the banks in the scheme. It, it is similar to schemes that are being adopted in other countries and may continue to be adopted in, in, in America and elsewhere. I believe it is the right thing to do, but he must, he must, he must decide whether he agrees with a central proposition that you let the recession take its course, or governments, when markets fail, have got to step in.
1: Uh, The fact is, this recession is getting worse. The Prime Minister talks about action. The fact is, we suggested a national loan guarantee scheme. He attacked it, now he's introduced it. We suggested changing the terms of the bank recapitalisation. He attacked it, now he's introduced it. We said you needed to expend the special liquidity scheme. He attacked it. Now, he's introduced it. The fact is, he's behind the curve on every single issue. Yeah. I'm, I'm delighted he's mentioned my right all friendly member for Rushcliffe. I have to tell him, the difference between this former Chancellor and that former Chancellor is this one left a golden legacy and that one wrecked it. Yeah. the insurance scheme. On the insurance scheme, the Prime Minister said it is a temporary measure. His city, city Minister, Lord Miners, said this could last for up to nine years. How can he describe something as temporary that might last for nine years?
2: Yeah. Mr Speaker, first of, all, the shadow, first of all, the Shadow Business Secretary called the Conservative European pos- policy crack, crackpot, dotty and absurd. And, 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 I, 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 I know... I know. I I know they're trying to find a way of sitting together now, but they don't agree with each other's views on Europe and on many other things. As far as the the action that we have taken, let me me quote a a member of the Conservative Party who has got to make decisions, and that's the Mayor of London. It's absolutely right that there's a huge problem in trying to get credit flowing, and the Government is doing what it can. That's the the Mayor of London the Mayor of London. Then he said, if we get it right and invest in the right things, and make sure that we drive forward the projects of infrastructure that we want to see developed over the next ten years, London could emerge more competitive and better placed. So far, far from the Mayor of London saying we shouldn't invest in public infrastructure, and the Conservative Party saying that we shouldn't invest in infrastructure, the Mayor of London and the Conservative Party share totally different views. Uh,
1: Let me me tell him something that the Mayor of London, the former Chancellor and I all agree about. We all agree he's making a complete mess of the economy. To these, when it comes to these great infrastructure projects, who has just put back the carrier programme? Who's cancelled the widening of the motorways? It's this government because it's run out of money. Now, he gave absolutely no answer to my question about the insurance scheme. The reason people want detail is they want to know their money is being put to a good use. Now, This is not the first time the Prime Minister has announced measures to bail out the banks. In the first bank bailout, the Prime Minister put £37 billion of taxpayers' money into the banks. He said that the shares the Government bought would, and I quote him, grow in value over the next period of time. Will he confirm that as matters stand, the taxpayer has actually lost over £20 billion?
2: Mr Speaker, I was was very grateful for the support that the Opposition Party gave to the recapitalisation of the banks three months ago. And I suppose I should not be surprised that the minute there is a difficulty, the Opposition Party withdraw their support from the right proposal. The recapitalisation of the banks was the right thing to do, He has no other policy that would replace that policy. We are right to continue to support the banks so that they can lend to people in this economy. And the measures that we've announced this week are the right measures to take us forward. I just have to tell him he is completely isolated from every major party in every country in the world. Every country understands that when the private sector and the markets fail, and particularly when banks fail, then the government has a duty to act He wants to cut public investment while others want to increase it. He wants to withdraw help from the unemployed while we want to give it. And as far as the banks, he doesn't know what his policy is because it changed from one day to the next. Uh... The the Prime
1: Minister talks about being isolated. Doesn't he realise he's the only person in the country who thinks he's doing a good job? (laughs) (laughs) The point, the whole point, uh, wasn't exactly a roar of approval from behind him. The whole point about the first recapitalisation was it was meant to get the bank's lending and it has failed to do that, as even the Prime Minister has admitted. Let me put the question again. The shares were worth £37 billion. Now they are worth less than £17 billion. So will he confirm, simple maths, that as things stand, the taxpayers lost more than £20 billion. Mr
2: Mr. Speaker, the point of the recapitalisation of the bank... Well, I'm sorry, they don't want to understand economics. The purpose of the recapitalisation of the bank... They they should really grow up and face up to the big issues instead of making capital. The point of the recapitalisation of the banks was to stop the banks from collapsing. If we now took his advice and hadn't put our stake into the banks, the banks would have collapsed, thousands more would have been worse off, thousands more businesses would have suffered. No saver, as a result of what we have done, has lost any money. I want to ask him, what is his alternative to the capitalisation of the banks? If you want to
1: ask us questions, have an election! (laughs) The fact is... the The fact is... Um, let the leader of the opposition
0: speak. Yeah. The leader of the opposition, order...
1: is the prime minister. Is completely unwilling to answer the most basic questions about what this has cost so far and what it might cost in the future and this comes at a time when frankly the whole country is asking whether the government knows what it's doing and is that surprising when you've got the employment minister on today of all days saying he can already see light at the end of the tunnel, is it surprising when you've got a business minister talking about the green shoots of recovery is it surprising when you've got the housing minister uh, she's not in her place saying there's a new boom in the housing market and, and meanwhile well, we've got a Prime Minister who thinks he saved the world. Isn't it the case that the British people, the British people, are losing confidence in the Prime Minister and losing confidence in the government? And isn't it right that without confidence we won't get a recovery? Yes.
2: But, Mr. Speaker, he has not, not one idea of how about to begin to start the problem. I asked him what he would do in place of the recapitalisation of the banks. He had no idea what he would do. The Secretary-General of the CBI said only this week, the Government needed to be bold, and it has been. These measures are the central precursors for economic stability, which will expand the availability of credit. We are doing what other countries are doing. The only thing that he says is to do nothing. He spends all his energies going around the country telling people that you can do nothing about this recession. We will act. They will not act. He is out of step with the rest of the world and he is out of his debt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Andrew McKinley. Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh, 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 Was soccer? The financial services authority or our security intelligence services fast asleep or were they part of a cover-up in relation to Lloyd's TSB's illegal handling of money from Iran in order to get round uh, uh, sanctions. Surely we need a statement as to why this bank and individuals have not been prosecuted in the United Kingdom for laundering $300 million of Iranian money and money relating to the Sudan from London in America. I think we should be told.
2: Mr. Speaker, he's he's making very detailed allegations. I have to say to him that our sanctions policy against Iran has been one of the toughest in the world. It is tough on banks, it is tough on oil companies, it is tough on other institutions. I will, of course, look at the allegations he has made, but I do tell him that we and other countries are leading the world in the sanctions against Iran.
0: Nick Clegg. Mr.
2: Speaker, Mr. Speaker,
0: I'd like to add my own expressions of sympathy and condolence to the family and friends of Captain Tom Sawyer, Marine Danny Winter, and Corporal Richard Robinson, who all tragically lost their lives in Helmand Province this last week, and also join in welcoming the inauguration of President Obama, and especially welcome his early announcement of suspending all military tribunals at Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, the British economy is now standing at the edge of a cliff. Um, international markets clearly now believe. International markets clearly now believe that many of our banks are effectively broke, and that is pushing confidence in the pound and in the government's finances to an all-time low. Will he he accept that his announcements and his half measures have created confusion and uncertainty when the country desperately needs clarity and certainty at this very dangerous time?
2: I just just repeat to him what uh, Richard Lambert, the head of the CBI, said. If fully implemented, these measures should stem a further downward recessionary spiral and provide a stable economic platform in which the UK can trade throughout this difficult period. I think he has to understand we have done three things. One is we have recapitalised the banks to stop the banks from collapsing. Not to help bankers, but so that people who rely on banks with their savings in their banks can be secure. The second thing we have done is give real help to families and businesses through this difficult period. Uh, when it is right that the Government intervene and only the Conservative Party seem to oppose that. The third thing that we've done is take measures to extend lending. Lending to businesses and lending to families. Now the lending to businesses takes the form now of the Bank of England in a position to lend to non-bank institutions and to lend directly to companies through the corporate bond market. Uh, We have created the asset insurance scheme so that we can give more certainty for the future about how we will deal with the problem of assets. Now all these things are done so that the banks can be stronger to extend lending, and I believe he will find that other countries around the world are doing the same.
0: I am grateful to the prime minister for his reply, but does he not see the extreme danger in any remaining ambiguity in the government's response? And does he not agree with me and the chair of the Treasury Select Committee that that must now mean the full, if temporary, nationalisation of our weakest banks? without any further
2: delay. Mr Speaker, the issue is the extension of lending. That is the issue before us. And the the agreements that we have signed with the banks already are, I believe, agreements that are being honoured at the moment. The problem I have to say to him is that when the banking crisis started, foreign banks that were operating in Britain uh, reduced their capacity in Britain. Non-banking institutions were, who were lending in Britain for mortgages and for companies reduced their capacity. So even if the Royal Bank of Scotland or if Lloyd's TSB or Barclays or these other banks increased their capacity substantially, we had suffered a loss, as every other country has, of foreign capacity in their country. That is the problem we are trying to deal with, and the problem is the resumption of lending. That is still the problem you have to deal with, whatever the status of the banks.
0: It. Will the Prime Minister agree with me that people all around the world will have been moved by the inauguration of President Obama? Yeah. And there are many reasons to welcome his inauguration. But one is that when a man whose father, 60 years ago, could not have been served in restaurants in Washington, becomes President of the United States, we can all of us in our communities turn to our children and say, Yes, you can.
2: Yeah. Very grateful to, to my honourable friend uh, for showing the historic uh, nature of the moment that we are seeing in America. Uh, this is the first black president of the United States of America. Let us not forget the history books, that the White House was actually built by slaves. It is now occupied by the first black American president.
0: Edward you. At the same time as the Prime Minister pleads with President Obama for a special relationship, uh, is not his own relationship with the British public irretrievably breaking down? Have we not reached hideous levels of insensitivity when the Prime Minister, in the very week that unemployment is heading towards 2 million, and when our constituents and our constituency businesses are deeply concerned about their finances? He requires, indeed demands, his own Members of Parliament to keep their expenses secret.
2: Mr Mr. Speaker, he he misunderstands what we are doing, the transparency that is being provided in the expenses. But I have said earlier uh, that the the main opposition party and and the Government had discussions about the statutory instrument. Uh, The opposition party gave the impression that they were supporting that statutory instrument. They have now withdrawn their support from it. Uh, it is right, then, to seek uh, all-party agreement on that, and that is exactly what we do. So far from spending a great deal of time this week on the issues that he is talking about, I'm spending my time dealing with the problems of the British economy, and that's what I'll continue to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Skinner, can the Prime Minister tell us what action is going to be taken against those bankers who have run their banks into the ground? Those Tory fat cats cannot
1: blame.
0: Let the honourable gentleman speak. I want to hear what he's saying. The honourable gentleman. Those Tory fat cats at the banks, represented by the party over there, can't blame the trade unions this time for the almighty this country is in. In another generation, they would have been described as the enemy within. Yeah.
2: Mr. Speaker, this, this is this is not a problem that is being caused by inflation in our economy or in other economies. This is a global banking crisis that has got to be dealt by global cooperation, and I'm pleased that President Obama and others want to see that cooperation happening.
0: Bob Spink, Thank you, Mr Speaker. Look, look, Mr Speaker, fair's fair. We must all welcome the action that the government's taking to get money flowing into small businesses and to keep people in work. He's doing this to help real small businesses, not fat cats. But can I press him on behalf of pensioners um, who also suffer from this recession? Will he meet with me, an age concern, so that we can look at ways of further helping Pensioners in issues like uh, meeting their fuel costs and, uh, and on savings interest. Will you meet me to do that? Because doing something constructive is much
2: better than doing nothing. Uh, 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 Mr. Mr. Speaker, I, I'm great. I'm grateful for this question. Uh, the, Sun- the Sun newspaper said only a few days ago that there was only one MP that was more independent of the Conservative Party front-bench positions than him, and that was the member for Rushworth, now the shadow. Business uh, Secretary Can I say as far as uh, pensioners are concerned that we have increased the winter allowance uh, this year £60 extra is going to pensioners uh, now, uh, we have also of course uh, uh, increased the pension from April, uh, we will do everything we can to help pensioners with their savings, that's why we have the ISA accounts that are there for pensioners and we've raised the pensioners tax allowances so that 60% of pensioners don't pay any tax at all and we will do everything we can in the next few months to help them. He is an independent member, therefore he, like this side, can criticise the Conservatives for not supporting the £60 extra that we are giving to pensioners.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, the people of Gaza want to see aid and trade flowing across their borders again. The people of Israel rightly demand an end to rocket attacks on Israeli towns. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that neither side will get those assurances in the long term, unless we do more to neutralise the toxic influence of Iran in the region? And can he tell us what more he intends to do, besides the sanctions that he's already imposed,
2: to neutralise that influence? I I believe the international community has to show great unity in isolating Iran for the positions it takes, not only on nuclear weapons, but in its attitude to, to Israel. But the best way that we can isolate Iran in the Middle East is by finding a settlement between the Palestinians and the Israelis, uh, where the Middle East countries and the Arab countries can become united in supporting the two-state solution that other people have proposed. Uh, since the ceasefire, it is important that Israeli troops leave Gaza as quickly as possible. It is also important that we have an opening of the crossings, and that is being discussed by meetings in Egypt tomorrow. It is also important that the peace process is moved forward and while this may seem one of the most distant uh, prospects at the moment, I believe we have a duty uh, to use this opportunity to get countries to talk together about the process of peace. But the most important urgent thing is the humanitarian aid that has got to be brought into Gaza. We have trebled our support for humanitarian aid. Uh, We are helping transfer children from Gaza into hospitals. We are trying to get rid of the unexploded bombs in the area by working with people uh, in the region and at the same time we will give all the food aid and all the support aid we need. This has been a terrible catastrophe over recent weeks. We must do everything that we can to now help the people of Gaza while at the same time stopping rocket attacks from Gaza to Israel we must see that the ceasefire itself holds and then brings forward the process of peace.
0: Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister's constituents may well benefit from substantial extra European regeneration funding because Scotland, along with Wales and Northern Ireland, has put in a bid to get unused European money which is available for hard-hit areas. Will he now reconsider the government's decision not to make a similar application for the north of England which desperately needs this investment? Why should England lose out?
2: Well, I can, say, I can say, first of all, that we have successfully lobbied for the European Investment Bank to double the support for cars that are of green technology and manufacturing processes, and this will help car companies uh, in the North East. I can also say to them, I'm not aware that uh, a North East company has had any application rejected for European Investment Bank support, and I hope they will put these applications forward and I'm very happy to talk to him about the economy of the North East and what we can do to help it.
0: Ronnie Campbell. Mm. Oh, hey, the, the Prime Minister has to take advice from time to time, but if he took advice from the national newspapers and the leader of the opposition to do nothing with the economy, what plight would this country be in now? And will he take the advice of oh, me okay. and
2: some of my friends on this side and nationalise all the banks? Yeah. LAUGHTER Mr. Speaker, President Obama and many countries around the world will be putting forward programs for public investment in the future. Public works programs, investment in environmental technologies, investment in road, transport, schools and hospital. That is what we will do to keep jobs moving in the economy. It is unfortunate, as he has said that there is one party that opposes public investment in the future, indeed would cut public investment at the time that we need it most. And it's unfortunate that the Conservative Party are isolated across the world.
0: Jackie Lee. The value of Rail Track was talked down by the previous Deputy Prime Minister so that the company could, in effect, be renationalised. Is that what the Prime Minister and Chancellor are doing to our banks?
2: No. Linda Gilroy.
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and can I join with paying tribute to those who have lost their lives in Helmand in the past week. Prime Minister, uh, many in the banking sector who have covered things up and given bad advice have uh, paid a price in terms of lost jobs and reputation, but others seem to have got off scot-free. What is being done to drive up uh, performance and behaviour across the banking sector so that our constituents can have confidence that their hard-earned taxes which are bailing the banks out in their billions uh, are well spent Here. This
2: is exactly the matter that is being discussed uh, now internationally to agree common standards of disclosure, common standards of transparency, common standards of risk management by the banks and common standards of responsibility to be taken by board members and we will do better by getting an international agreement on these standards and I believe that will feature in the discussions we have at the G20 Summit on April the 2nd
0: Order. A point of order. Before we do, could honourable members leave the chamber quietly?